0: you are going to discover the business growth secrets you have been looking for that i've used to sell over 50 million pounds worth of products and services on social media and help clients everywhere to grow their businesses on demand so let's get started on the business growth secrets podcast hello everybody and welcome to business growth secrets i've got a really really exciting guest with me today who has built an amazing business we're going to be diving into the build of this business and uh, some of the ups and downs the challenges and the strength that's been created by sam white the founder of uh, freedom services group and stella sam does business internationally and all over the world is able to serve over 140,000 customers in the insurance industry generating eight figure revenues and and creating some amazing results along the way so welcome to the podcast sam really excited to have you here and looking forward to having a great chat about your business experiences. How are you? You good?
1: Thanks for having me on, Adam. Yeah, I'm good. Considering I just got back from Australia at the weekend, I'm feeling relatively peppy. But if I suddenly start napping halfway through, you'll know that the jet lags hit me.
0: Relatively peppy. Well, definitely, you seem very peppy. So I'm really looking forward to chatting. So for those people that are listening, I know you've got a podcast. You might have some of my listeners have listened to your podcast before. They might have heard some of the things that you've um, you've been doing. But for those that haven't met you or heard from you before, you've obviously created a a huge business in the insurance industry. You helped a lot, a lot of people. But what I really love to do with the guests is is kind of bring it back to the start and find out a little bit about the beginning of your journey. So how did you first get into business and what was your first foray into business? How did this all come to happen for you?
1: Yeah, it depends which way you look at it, really. I was I was chatting to somebody the other week about this and officially I started my first company when I was 24 at my sister's conservatory um, with, this is how old I am. It was with the yellow pages and a telephone and a desk. But to be fair, I was always quite entrepreneurial. So I bought, I inherited a little bit of money from my granddad when he died and my parents wanted to put it in a building society and kind of earn interest off it. And instead I managed to persuade them to let me buy a car with it when I was 13. And me and my dad did it up in like one of the garages because I was also doing a BTEC in motor vehicle technology. So I was like, fancied my uh, chances of kind of getting it to work properly. And I ended up selling it for quite a decent profit a few years later. So there was that. It was washing cars in the neighbourhood to get cash from people which I generally use to go out drinking with my friends when I was sort of 14, 15. But I think that spirit of wanting to generate something out of nothing was was definitely in me from a very young age. And I've always enjoyed that idea that you can come up with an idea. And yeah. if you can get enough people excited about whatever it is that you're doing and, and kind of get behind it, that you can create something. So that's always been my passion.
0: Awesome. And you hear it a lot, you know, you hear it a lot from books and, and different things of entrepreneurs that started different things done. But I I think it like you said at 24 from the conservatory, the first time for yellow pages um, and a phone. You know, what was it that started at that point? What was that business? And how did you take to having a phone and a yellow pages? Because frankly, for a lot of business owners, that'd scare them. But actually yes. that's where a lot of it starts, right? <laughs>
1: you got to start somewhere. So, I mean, I had, so I did a psychology degree at university and then I did two years of the degree and then there was, I had some family issues, which meant that I couldn't really carry on at university and in all honesty I'd been working in my summer holidays working for a telesales company and I'd been making so much cash that when I was comparing how much money I was going to make as a psychologist and you know how much I could easily just pick up on a job I, I was a bit what's the point? Like, I'm going to be in education for another seven years. It didn't really work for me from a family viewpoint. I knew I could make cash. And so I left the course, but I got a job working for a motor claims business and I'd applied for a few different jobs and I'd got offered all of them. And this one just kind of caught my eye. It was probably the better package, the better opportunity. And so I went with it. And I did really, really well there and I got promoted and I ended up on sort of 50 grand a year with a company car as a 22 year old, which, you know, in the north of England 20 odd years ago was a substantial amount of money, but I didn't enjoy being told what to do by other people. It was always going to be a bit of a challenge for me. I'm fiercely independent and I like to kind of steer my own ship and There was times where they wanted me to go left and I wanted to go right. And I just knew that it wasn't for me. So I had a series of kind of personal, you might say tragedies or you just say challenges when I was 23. And they kind of compounded all at once. And I think I just got to a point where I, I very early on kind of said life is short and i should be doing the things that make me happy so my my desire to leave working for somebody else and go and work for myself was motivated by both my desire to be independent and have my own freedom and also an awareness from a young age that actually bad stuff can happen and completely throw you off your your trajectory yeah. and so you might as well just just grab it so <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. And there wasn't a big plan. So and I for a while, I thought every other entrepreneur had this really clean founders story where they, you know, they had a, I, I found this problem that I wanted to solve for. Mm. And then I built this amazing business off the back of it. And it, it most definitely wasn't like that for me. I'd worked within this industry. I thought I could do something for myself. And I was happy to have a crack at it. And so I did just go, okay, well, if these guys can do this, can I do it for myself? I think I can. And the test of that for me was did other people think that I could do that as well? So it was very much on getting that faith from other people. that you were able to provide something for them that they might be interested in. And I can't say that it's changed much over the last 20 years in terms of the businesses that I've built and moved forward. For me, it always comes down to people, the people that you employ that are going to come on that journey with you and support you in those goals. And the customers and opportunities that will come your way because people outside of your group also buy into
0: whatever it is that you're you're, you're trying to achieve. Absolutely. What you just said there about your your clean founders story, I think sometimes it's dressed up in that way. But I think the actual reality is I think most people, when they start off, is they are looking almost at an improvement or they've built a skill set and they want to now monetize that skill set to the maximum. I've seen that. That's very, very common. Not common. It's not common that people do it the level that you've been able to do it at for sure. But I think a lot of people, that's where they start. I mean, that's where I started. 100% I was working with somebody else I thought can I do this for myself and I think a lot of people that I've met that have been really successful have had that journey um so it's interesting you should say that because that click because the thing is when you're talking to the group of people that are listening now just small business owners a lot of the time they're like what is my big idea what is my game changer what's my 10 million pound idea or whatever it is and the reality is it just don't work like that it's more like I know, you say, uh, and I, I think it's a dangerous rhetoric as yeah. well it's a bit like
1: i always say people that have kids there yeah. is a rhetoric that it's all magical and wonderful and you know and there's the <laughs> instagram pictures and and yeah. the reality is there's a lot of challenges and you know there's there's a lot of stuff that people don't talk about that comes as a shock when mm-hmm. when you're in that that environment and i think it's incumbent on all entrepreneurs to talk about the the gnarly bits and the bits that don't quite make sense because then everybody else doesn't end up with imposter syndrome thinking there's something wrong with them because their experience has been slightly different. And I think this feeling your way through growing a business is, is actually the reality of the situation. But if you're trying to raise money, then what they're looking for is a cookie cutter kind of very clean here's the picture here's the vision I'm going to do this followed by that followed by that and 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 I think one of the challenges I mean and certainly I've really struggled to raise money in in the past and I talk about that a lot because um there is um an absolute bias against female founders and statistically you can you can pull up a load of evidence as to why that's that's a truism but I think one of the other issues is is this I think certainly in the first, you know, naught to seven years, you would be incredibly foolish as an entrepreneur not to be open to pivoting and finding the bite points and taking advantage of opportunities that come your way. And if you've got funding into your business and you've got Frankly, often a bunch of accountants that Mm. like things to be extremely black and white and on a spreadsheet. I mean, the amount of times I've sat down with an FD and they've got a number in a spreadsheet and because they put a number in a spreadsheet, they're like, it's almost, you know, OCD. It's that number Mm. that they that isn't entrepreneurship. Entrepreneurship is going. I had this meeting with this guy last week. There's something there. I think I can explore it. I'm going to I'm going to test it in a way to find that that solution to that problem.
0: Well, I think the hundred percent what you said is right. And I much prefer exactly what you said, which is a model. world, because I think everyone if you say you were going to invest in anyone anyway, you would want them to be able to pick up a yellow pages and a phone and make something happen. Yeah. Because if you give, give someone a million quid and say, go and build a business, what will they do? They'll go and hire a load of people, buy a load of desks, buy a load of chairs, yeah. uh, lose a load of money, and yeah. then get stuck down the line going, right now, you need to go and get some business, and they won't know how to do it. Yes. So I actually, I actually prefer the build of, of, of exactly what you said, of that entrepreneurship to be able to make something happen. I think anyone that's going to be successful, so it's really interesting your background, because sometimes I've often said to entrepreneurs that want to start companies, I've said to them, go and work in a telesales centre and get told no a thousand, a thousand times. times yeah. and, and then I swear to God, you'll be much better for it. Because yeah. it, you'll just rub off that, that fear of rejection and all these different things. You know, I've actually given people that task in the past because I think it's really important because you need to be able to sell. So that's really interesting, totally aligned in what we're saying there. So moving forward, you've obviously gone on to build this 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 large business how did it how did it come about you obviously settled on the insurance and how insurance works how did you go about making it happen and then building the team and growing things from there because I know you had quite an ascension
1: yeah so I mean it was all I mean it's all been organic I, I haven't got funding in up until um probably last year um, I got some funding actually as a result of COVID, ironically, and also I got an investment to launch Stella. But the, mm. the trajectory of the business was probably it was it was really tough going for the first um, five years, I'd say. And and by tough, we 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 doubled in size every year, and we were profitable straight off the, the bat. Yes. So you know that was great. But mm. it it was a case of you know starts me on the phone persuading people but then um, I have to get off the phone and and actually handle the business that's coming through and I think that's one of the most difficult things as as a founder you I know what I'm good at like I sales was my strength before I I set up my business and making connections finding opportunities kind of having that vision for what you want to do absolutely detail, organization, making sure that all of the files are in the right place once you've got not so much. And I remember um, my best friend that has been my best mate since I was four came round to my sister's house, walked in. There was paperwork everywhere, like across all of the desks. She she can see this checkbook on the side. Um, And she walks in and she's like, Sam, what the? you know like, what 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 is this and I'm like I've like I've done three deals I've like this is yeah. going there I'm doing and she was like is that is that a Chinese takeaway that you have bought with the company checkbook and I'm like yeah she's like you can't do that and I, so uh, ostensibly she looked around the room and said you need some help and I was like come help me. And she was the first member of staff that I had. And she immediately took all of the admin stuff out of the way so I could then carry on doing the new the new business. And I think that's, that is the bite point. When you start up is you can't afford to hire people to take the stuff off so you can focus on the things that you need. So you need to kind of over-deliver yourself enough to get that income in to then make enough money. And then you've got to accept that it will drop. Because you'll you'll get your drop in your profitability while you bring those people in, and then you have to go again and and go again. So the first five years, I remember office space, which not a challenge now because, you know, lots of people working remotely, but at the time I was limited by the office space that I was in Sisters Conservatory. Me and my sister then bought an old Victorian semi together and we turned the basements into offices and we all lived together. It was like this massive commune. Um, And that enabled us to get three or four people in that were also um, fairly laid back, clearly happy to work in a basement. But, you know, it it enabled us to get a little bit bigger. And then we got to that sort of that crunch point of we need proper offices. And I rented an office above an opticians in um, the local town and it was about 1500 square foot. So it had room for maybe 15 people at the time at a, at a, squaw, at a squash. And we grew, like, we grew into the space. The problem is, we t- at that point, we'd signed a five-year lease for this place.
0: Mm.
1: And we couldn't fit any more people in. So I instantly got bored because if I couldn't grow, it was like, what's the point? I was like, okay, so we're tied into this lease. I can't like, I can't afford two offices. I'm kind of, we're in this sort of stasis. So um, I actually went traveling around the world for a year. I, I I hired somebody to manage the business for me that was doing the day to day. So we'd got X number of clients at that point and it was kind of bringing in income and we were maybe heading towards that sort of million pound turnover. Um, and I, um I, says, you know, here's my mobile number. I'm off. I was going to go traveling before. And most people thought I was absolutely insane doing that. And you know, you're in the middle of a startup and you've just gone traveling around the world. But it was the best thing I could have done because it really one, I, I sorted my health out. I, I wasn't particularly healthy up until that point and I was struggling with a few things. Um and I've kind of really kind of got myself in in good shape and mentally in a great place. And secondly, it it opened up my mindset to these different kind of that you you, if anybody that's been traveling will will tell you, you spend time with different cultures, you realize that everybody thinks differently, that there's lots of and that I think from an entrepreneurial viewpoint, really helped. So when I came back, I doubled the profitability the year that I came back, increased the clients and then we went again and we got a much bigger office, got an office that was three times the size. and again. We then grew into it. And, and this is the thing. Amazing,
0: isn't it? When you get an office, how hey, you just all of a sudden just. <laughs>
1: <Yeah>. <laughs> it's kicking a ball, isn't it? And yeah, you're yeah, going yeah. like, okay, if we build it, they will come. I love Fields yeah. of Dreams. Yeah. And it was kind of like, well, I don't want the office to be empty. So what else can yeah. I do? What you know? Yeah. What other products can we sell? What other things can we move into? And that, so we, we, we just had such a good run of it from setting up in 1999 right the way through to um, 2010, double, double, doubled. At that point, I was turning over 18 million. I had profitability of three and a half. I'd got a couple of businesses doing sort of a slight variation of the same thing all around the claims industry. Um, and I actually ended up in Beverly Hills, which is another, a completely another story that I won't take I was off on that tangent but I I left again got these management teams in place and was like I'm going to go and try and like set up in California love California get this house and this crazy estate end up getting Robbie Williams to sing at my wedding just like this absolute crazy crazy stuff and then um I'm in the claims sector There is a massive regulatory change in the environment that hits every single revenue line that we've got because everything had been built around that industry. And I lost 60 percent of my revenue lines in a four week period. So I had to come very much back from California, management teams. And this was interesting because I think the skills that uh, a founder possesses versus a management that can scale are very different. So once you've got your established revenue lines and you've got a structure and you know what you're doing, actually a founder can be quite disruptive because I get bored easily, right? So I want to carry on twiddling with everything. And so I'll keep, what pushing stuff out when actually you are better off just focusing and turning the volume up. So from 2007 to 2010, I'd kind of transitioned that management team in that we're just turning it up, turning it up, turning it up. was doing great. And then this regulatory change just basically broke the whole train set. And the management team at that point did not know what to do because it was unprecedented. Nobody had any solutions. The industry didn't have any solutions. So they were floundering. And it, it needed me to come back in then as a, a with a startup mentality to go, Yeah, right. yeah. we gotta completely reconfigure this business, which yeah. Uh, which I did. And we went from 300 staff down to hundred. I had to make mass redundancies and I had to move into other areas of the market. So we started doing a lot more work on behalf of the insurance companies instead of on behalf of the clients. um, And I stabilized the business at a lower level and started again. Now, Mm. you know, I, I often wonder what would have happened if I'd just sold partway through that process when we were on that great trajectory and yeah. then done something else and done something else but you don't I think you don't really get it at that point point. and I was still pretty young and you know the lifestyle was great for me I was making a ton of money and I was having fun with it so it didn't really occur to me that I should be taking some risk and equity off the table and going again i think you uh, know
0: because when it's really good especially if it's your first time round, you always feel like it's going to go on forever you're going, going to get better you know and also because you've been so good at what you do you almost feel like you can't get it wrong
1: oh you absolutely <laughs> i i always call it my arsehole years not yeah, that yeah. i was you know but I, I i you do think you're invincible you're like yeah Everything I'm doing is, you know, people say business is hard, but look at me, I'm doing this, I'm yeah. doing that, I'm doing the other. And then it is an absolute cold bath when something like that hits you. Yeah. And and logically speaking, if you have a business for a long period of time, it's likely to happen, particularly if, 100%. you know, you've got no outside funding, you know, you, it, it, it's, it's almost an inevitability. But I think it did teach me a lot about myself, um, about my levels of resilience and about the fragility of business and Mm. how to kind of stabilize yourself. So I, 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 once the business was stable, I then kind of pushed it further and and launched an actual insurance company. I was like, you know, Mm. I'm going to move completely on the other side of the fence. We started from claims, I'm going to move into insurance. So I launched an insurance company in 2016. And then launched a brokerage in 2017 and just used the the income from the previous business to build the next one. Again, rather than getting investment, which I mm. really probably should have brought in somebody else's money, but every time I'd tried to get funding, I'd um hit over yeah, you
0: said that was tough and you feel that female founders have it particularly difficult in that area, right? I mean,
1: they do statistically. Yeah. There's, I think, it's still only a pound in every a, a pence in every pound that goes to female-founded businesses, and you know, I, I actually had a conversation with somebody earlier that's doing a PhD on this because there is no statistical reason why what would
0: you I for the females that are listening now as to how to take that. I mean. You know, because I think it's it can be taken, that could be taken as a negative. It also could be a real driver, couldn't it?
1: Yeah, and look, at the end of the day, you find another way. Yeah. And, you know, arguably, I've retained control of all of my businesses yeah, because nobody invested. Yeah. And now I'm getting to keep the lion's share of that money with an exit because nobody invested. So, you know, ultimately, I get the last laugh,
0: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, it's, yeah, if, yeah. if
1: you'd backed me sooner, you would have got a, a really good deal out of it. But it's it, it's um, I, I do think it needs to change. But I'm a great believer that there's no point whinging about stuff yeah. like that doesn't get you results. My thing is, I'll show you. I'll yeah. show you why I'm wrong, why you're wrong. I will show you why you should be backing women that, you know, the, the, the world is as it is, not as we wish it to be. And I'm incredibly privileged to live in the country that I do in the time that I do. And I never forget that, you know, there is a ton of people behind me that are in a much worse situation. So, you know, yeah. it, it it is what it is. Should it change? Yes, absolutely. Um, and I think there are a number of people that are fighting for that change. And, you know, there's there's female funds being set up and there's people that are focusing on the problem. So my view is it will shift, like it can't not shift. Yeah. But in the meantime, I'm just going to carry on building and growing businesses, and anybody that wants to kind of get on board can get on board. You know,
0: absolutely. And you, and you've you've moved now into decoration. So you've got a business in Australia yeah Um, called Stella right do you want to talk a little bit about that and tell us about that business and that and then we'll move into the fact that you're actually expanding there aren't you which is going to be really interesting as well
1: yeah yeah so I mean that was a random one and again back to that things don't always come in a very clear package so Australia um I um 2016 somebody introduced me to someone who was doing some business out in Australia and they were saying to me it's great. It's it's fantastic. You know, loads of investment going in over there and their market was slightly underdeveloped in claims and in insurance in comparison to the UK. It's worth taking a look at. And I'd just gone through a or was going through a pretty messy divorce at the time. So the idea of getting out of the country for a few weeks and kind of clearing my head was was quite attractive. And then a mate of mine, um, and again, this is for me how work and life can come together. A friend of mine had met a guy at a party who was Scottish and living in Sydney. They'd spent a week together in the UK. She'd absolutely fallen madly in love with him. And then he'd gone back to Sydney and she was like, this isn't going to work. It's, you know, Mm. um, long distance relationship. But I, being an incurable romantic and also wanting to check out Australia anyway, so to tell you what, why don't we just both go over together for three weeks? I'll see if there's a business opportunity and you can see if this guy's got longevity for you and we'll see how we go. So we went on this bit of this madcap (laughs) trip to Australia. Um, She ended up, it did work out really well with him and he moved back to the UK and he still lives here and that's magic Um, But I found that the meetings I had just went really, really well. And initially I looked again at some of the claims opportunities. And then I I built a relationship with the CEO of a a really large insurer over there who knew I was doing insurance in the UK and was like, would you like to do something in Australia? I said, you know what, if I was going to do it again, the one thing I'd want to do is build an insurance brand um, around women. Because, Mm -hmm. you know, to the point of how difficult it is to get funding, there is also a strong argument that insurance is such a male-dominated industry that everything's been designed, whether intentionally or not, around men. And actually, I think there's a huge opportunity to start with a blank sheet of paper and Mm -hmm. say, what do women want and how could you create that product? And so I, I, I kind of had this idea and people just loved it. I, yeah. So he, he was, I would absolutely back you from a capacity viewpoint with that product. Um, I then got some introductions to, it was Bauer Media at the time, um, who then got bought out by our media, who um, we formed a strategic partnership with. So we got like an inventory for equity deal, which again, I'd never kind of Thank come you. across before. Yeah. But such a great opportunity when you're trying to build a brand. And we it, we got all of the female magazines, Marie Claire, Grazia, like all yeah. to be able to, to really establish the brand over there. Um, and I, I then got investment as well, which I'd never done. So the first person that I spoke to from an uh, equity viewpoint ripped my arm off and, and kind of got on board with the journey. And so that was a very different experience for me because I then had a investing partner. I had other shareholders. I was building a brand. I wasn't, you know, I wasn't just trying to make cash to get onto the next level. Yeah. And I loved it. Again, it was a, a really different experience and, and being able to have some time. So to, to, to build a business that says, actually, you don't need to make profit day two because you've got a plan and you can yeah. say this is when it's going to drop in and have that time to build up both your revenue streams and your customer bases and, and everything else. And it's it's gone incredibly well. Um, we also give $5 from every policy we sell to Women and Girls Emergency Center. We've got, you know, the businesses around supporting women full stop. So the marketing's female-centric, the product design's female-centric, the experience is female-centric, and we also support women from that are in vulnerable situations, which insurance is about supporting people that are in vulnerable situations. So it it, it fits really nicely for me in terms of where I'm at in my life and you know where I want to get to from a business journey viewpoint. And we are launching that in the UK
0: um, in October. So just over a month. Well, congratulations. I mean, that's, uh, you know, it's an incredible, incredible journey. And I love actually you're talking about now. It's more about building the brand and, you know, the consideration of who the brand helps, what the brand's all about and everything. That's that's amazing, isn't it? Because um, and, and now to be launching in the UK, and are you excited about that launch? How's that- oh, I'm so giddy. Like,
1: it's funny because I launched um, in Australia during the pandemic and I couldn't be there for launch. So I'd been there prior to launch and obviously got a team on the ground. Um, but it was so frustrating because we, you know, started, um, we're on bosses and, you know, in these magazines and I wasn't there to be able to experience that that with them. Um, but the UK launch, it's, you know, it's my, my space. Um, so to be able to bring the the brand into the UK territory is, is phenomenal. And we found our charity partner here as well, which is an incredible woman called uh, Danny Wallace, who is a victim of domestic abuse herself. And she set up this foundation that helps women launch their own businesses. So become completely independent, um, post post getting out of that trauma and it's just I love that I love when you can build something that genuinely by it it doing better lots of other people do better as as well you know I think that 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 kind of energy going out into the universe is
0: can only be a good thing 100% 100% all oh, it sounds sounds amazing it sounds very very exciting where can people find out more about it Sam so is this so have you have you got website launched or anything yet or is there any or yeah
1: it's it? a good point I think we have got stellarinsurance.co.uk but it might just be a holding page until we go live in October but if they want to ch- check out the Australian brands and get a feel for us it's uh, www.stellarinsurance.com.au Um, And there's loads of stuff there on the projects that we're involved in. We were also on Instagram, Stellar Insurance on Instagram um, and on Facebook, um, the usual kind of socials.
0: Absolutely. Well, I think it's a, a massively inspirational story. Just before we finish up, what would you what sort of couple of tips? What would you say? I mean, there's a lot of things that you said there. You talked about branding, the importance of branding. You talked about the importance of sales, you know, the importance of making things happen, the importance of re- resilience, you know, culture. There's so many different things you cover. What do you think from – if there was a business owner that was listening right now Uh, man or female that were sort of at the stages of growing their company what would just be a few tips that you would give them just from your experience of being able to do everything that you've been able to do
1: yeah I mean uh, there's so much stuff and you know uh, people always ask for that one tip and I always think there's so much stuff that's that's critical flexibility absolutely key you can't get locked I don't care what you thought it was going to be when you realise that something is not going in the direction, then be open and be curious. Keep your network open. I constantly have conversations with people that are outside of insurance, or you know, yeah. that have because I think it keeps your mind open and it also keeps your options open. Um, the there's always a way. It doesn't matter how horrific it. looks. I've been. Two or three times, staring down the barrel of a very uncomfortable set of circumstance from a business viewpoint, and and circumstances that people would go there's no what there is no way you're getting out of that. There is always a way. You just as long as you don't allow fear to seep into your mentality, which will paralyze you and make you make bad decisions. You will find a, a, a solution through, if not in that moment few weeks after a few months whatever you will find the solution through so yeah flexibility don't give up um
0: and keep yourself open I think is the the, the kind of key messages for me oh, I think that's been absolutely phenomenal so where, where's the best place to follow you Sam if people want to hear a bit more from you and you on Instagram as well
1: yeah i'm more of a linkedin kind of i think it's probably an age thing and i like to be able to express myself i am on instagram but um uh, linkedin sam white um founder of um freedom services group and stella you'll you'll find us pretty easy and that's probably where most of my content is but i have just set up an instagram account um sam white entrepreneur so you can find me there
0: as well if you uh if you you want to see more pictures rather than writing (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> cool stuff. Well, thanks ever so much for coming on. I think this the story is phenomenal. I love the you know the modest star through to the growth, through to the international expansion and everything you've done. And, you know, I think you've given some amazing nuggets. So thank you very much for being a guest. It's been absolutely amazing to have you. And of course, if you've been listening today, make sure that you go and drop us a five-star review um, and make sure to subscribe as well because we keep bringing some massive interviews and pieces of content for you. And also, I believe you've got a podcast, have you not, Stan? You mentioned to me, is it worth um, mentioning that as well because we've got podcasts on here? Yeah, that's called
1: Human business and we've got a really eclectic array of people that we've had on there so yeah not not just on business growth it's more of the sort of emotional side of stuff
0: okay awesome so go and check out that podcast too thanks everyone for listening today it's been absolutely amazing sam really appreciate you sharing your story with us it's been incredible and thank you for coming on and i'll see you on the next episode
1: thanks for having me
0: Hey everybody, Adam here, and I hope you loved today's episode. I hope you thought it was fabulous, and if you did, I'd like to ask you a small favour. Could you jump over and go and give the podcast a review? Of course, I'll be super grateful if that is a five-star review. We're putting our all into this podcast for you, delivering you the content, giving you the secrets, and if you've enjoyed it, please go and give us a review and talk about what your favourite episode is, perhaps.